Bienvenidas tú Merendeando, part of Radio Luna Theater. Today we are chatting with Miset Parata. She's an Afro-Venezuelan musician, performer, and dancer. Also, she is part of the ensemble of Cacao, a Venezuelan lament, the show that is opening tomorrow at the Rutas Festival. And to help me co-host this interview, we have a Venezuelan-born Dora Award-winning performer, writer, facilitator, also our first ever guest in this podcast, and one of my favorite, favorite humans in the whole world, Augusto Bitter. Monica. I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so excited to talk to Miset. I love her. I love you. I love you all. I met Miset, I think, in the very first rutas I ever went to, so it's a beautiful full circle moment. And I've been a part of, I've been following Cacao for a really long time because it's been happening for a really long time. So I'm so excited to be here. Let's get started. We're here with the one and only Miset Parata! This is your second time coming back to the podcast because we had you part of the Caminos Festival, like, Three years ago, almost now, yeah. That's correct. You know what? And I forgot about that until I, uh, I remember through the questions that you sent me. I was like, oh my god, it's true. We did caminos. Yeah, and we but we had you with a group, so now we have you all for ourselves. Oh my god. Me and Augusto are like, yes. yes. Oh, I feel <laughs> like a star. Yes, you are a star. <laughs> I was saying Thank that we you. met at the first rutas, I think, too. So it's like a full circle. Love meeting again. It is, it is, it's true, it's true. Yeah. In different like areas. Yeah. Precaution, then precaution, and uh, yes. precaution. So that's great. That's yeah. true. This episode comes out on Wednesday 21st, which is also August <laughs> birthday. Yay! <laughs> Yay! And the next day is the finally opening of Cacao. Like 10 years in the making. Oh my God, 10 more. Um, it's actually like 13 years since <sighs> Victoria came out with the idea. And it's so, it's so incredible to think about the long journey. And that yes. because COVID, like many of us have to yeah. postpone, you know, so many events, uh, cacao was going to happen. And then we thought last year, and then we didn't know, but finally. And we want to know what what has been your journey with this project? Like, how did you get involved? And, and how much it has changed since you've been in it until tomorrow opening night? Whoa, you know what you're talking about? And I feel like I'm talking, it's like a, it's like a child that it's mm. almost going to be 13, a teenager. Mm. <laughs> well, I remember when Victoria told me about the the, the, the idea uh, we were part of Mata Dance, and one day she called me. She was in Auckland, San Francisco, and she's like, I have this idea that I want to do this. It's about cocoa farmers in Venezuela and this and that. And she had it, like, clearly that I was going to be just Melda, and she had the name. She had it already. And that Irma was going to be Milena because we were dancing in Mata Dance. And it was like, okay. And then little by little, like we continue doing matter then she continued, she started like working on the project. And it was until like finally 2018 that we set with Augusto, who was gonna be part of the project too. Uh, and we had the first, well, she, I was in Venezuela, sorry, let me go back. I was in Venezuela, I went for five years and she went 
we went back in 2013 and we started meeting. She started going to the first Hacienda in Venezuela, 2013. Wow. Nine years ago. Wow. Yeah. And we met, we went to Belen's house. She just, she just had passed away a year before the reign of the Kitty Plus. And we went to her house. We went to the Hacienda and she made, she brought the first script in January, 2018. And we read it with IT, who is the director of dance. And then we came back to Toronto. She came back. I came back after. And we said with Augusto. Mm-hmm who was going to be Centeno, Irma and myself. And we read that, that chunk that it was for the three of us. And we're like, oh my God, like, this is going to happen. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Yeah. And we connected. Like, it yeah. was uh, that day. It was amazing. It was like, yeah, this is the team. Yeah. And, and this is going to be Centeno. Yeah. And they, that from that day, it, it was like right on. She's like, she started like, I guess she was, she has been working, but everything was like, yeah, we're going to present it for 2020. That was a, that was the idea, 2020. Yeah. I think what I loved about the most of that is trying to figure out for us also Irma, who isn't Venezolana, like the three of us really bonding and joking and coming up with all these ideas or, or, or specific jokes that, you know, Venezolanos will get, <laughs> but then kind of bringing Irma into that, um, into that world was so fun for me on that day. I remember it was such a such a beautiful yeah. day. And and Cacao really talks a lot about that, about the preservation of traditions and about um, what it means to be an immigrant and what you take and what you leave behind and how you change. And and for you, Miset, what is a tradition that you personally um, have preserved or want to preserve coming from somewhere else and being somewhere else? You know what? I think Cacao in... I, I talk about it when I went back to Venezuela. I was gonna go for one year and I stayed five because of that, because of tradition. Mm-hmm. Getting in touch with my, I started, like I've been all, like my family, we have tradition and the music is always, we have been involved. But having the opportunity to connect again because I started percussion. I started in 2002. I came to Canada. I thought I was gonna be here for one year, six months, a year, and then, I stay in Canada and I didn't have any teacher because back then we didn't have WhatsApp. Back then we didn't have these videos, you know, this, this technology didn't have the advance. We had like the big block of phones and going back to Venezuela, I reconnected with that tradition, but deeply. And it wasn't just like the traditional Joropo. It was, I knew the tambores because I grew up in Barlovento and we danced at the school. By like understanding deeply, even the history of what is charming, the Africans, the native, and that beautiful mix of native with the African music and how it is in, in ourselves and how we connect with also Colombia, mm-hmm. with Brazil, with so many countries where the whole colonization happened. But tradition is something that I have been appreciating even more because it tells about my story, my, my history of my ancestors, you know, either native, either African, either European, but it's it, every time it's like, it makes me more rooted to myself or into who I am and what I come from. And that, that part of what I come from me, I'm able to bring it here. And I think 
to even it's, it's like when we are we have a garden and we plant a new a new seed seed and this beautiful plant is going to be part of this beautiful garden and i think my tradition what i have learned and what i will continue learning is very important for me because it's part of who i am and what i can share with toronto with canada or wherever i go you know mm -hmm. that's really beautiful i was i think this is a good point because i know you really wanted to ask mm -hmm. this question because you might have will be going back to venezuela mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah me said i might be um uh, going back to venezuela for the first time in 12 years next year oh my I'm, god that's amazing i'm planning yeah. yeah and and i haven't been there you know as an adult and there's a lot of people that are gone that i was gonna go before i was gonna again like cacao like i was gonna go in may 2020 that got canceled say goodbye to some people and then we didn't get to say goodbye you know which is a really common immigration story and experience and it's uh every day you feel a little little bit of that but in a, in a previous interview you did mention that you um had gone back to venezuela after 11 years and how you mentioned that music and percussion and what you just spoke about was a thing that helped you um connect again so um i'm curious why why music why do you think music led you there why do you think music or how does music have that power um you know, I have a teacher and I, it's true, I believe. He said that we all are percussionists mm. because our biggest instrument and the most important, the heart, mm. is always beating and it's always making a sound since you're born. So he says we're all percussionists, you know, that is always. And it's very interesting when you, when you are excited, when you have this moment that the heart goes like this and you we don't we don't connect that and it's making a sound mm -hmm. and it's so big that we can even feel it outside for me it i think it's in my family it's in the blood and we always in venezuela saying mexico yeah there is always a radio on yeah. from first time in the morning <laughs> yeah even the people who selling fruits on the street you know you you hear them singing or the voice has like some music yeah. It's something that... Or anything's a drum, you know? The Tio Rico, El Heladero, like, they drum on that, on that cooler, you know? <laughs> like, they do, clink, 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 yeah. clink, And you, as a kid, you put, you know, you recognize that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. my mom always listening to music. Um, I used to go, my mom is from Cupira, Barlovento, which is a part of the Cocoa regions. And they will play Joropo Tullero. Mm which is, is very interesting because my mom is at the end of the, the part of where there are a lot of uh, black slaves were brought to. But my mom is from a town that is a lot of indigenous move from the west, from the east, east to west. So my mom's town is a lot of indigenous looking people, mm. not a lot of black. So, uh, but then they started mixing. So Joropo Tullero was always played. And since I was little, I would go with my aunt, with my mom, to see them, watch them dancing Joropo Tullero, live, live music. So music has always been in my family. Even my dad, my dad was white, green eyes, but he loved Joropo. And, and he was a bus driver. He was a truck driver, and he always had music. He didn't know how to dance. But he always had music <laughs> and Joropo Venezuelan music. He was very traditionalist. He yeah. was very like hardcore. 
uh, with the music. So it's always been in my family and we love it. Like there is uh, a day that we don't have music in the house, even in the radio. There is always the radio is always on. It's part of us. I know what you mean. I grew up with kids, you know, who didn't in Venezuela, who were, you know, cateritos, blonde, blue-eyed, they were like Italian, you know what I mean? But we would dance tambor and recreo. We would all, we would all know that and we would, and we would do that. And even if they didn't have those roots, it was part of that culture that brought us together. And even if maybe they didn't listen to it at home, like you or I did, like it, it, you, you couldn't ignore it. It was, it was part of the, of the fabric of that place, totally. Yeah, and my mom coming from Barlovento, there is always tambor somehow. Mm -hmm. um, but then when one famous singer, El Puma, mm -hmm. he got married, he invited this group, Tambor Urbano, who was the first group that is like a projection group. They are not traditionalists. We didn't know that until now, but he invited them to come to Miami. And when they play, and they play also in the in a Miss Venezuela. That's when the tambor came out to be public. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. mm -hmm. because of El Puma, and wow. he brought this group to Miami and then to Miss Venezuela. The world, <laughs> because it has a connotation of race and of colonization. You know, like it has a lot of deep things underneath. Mm -hmm. That the tambor was for the people on the town on the beach. Uh, mm -hmm. Like we say, no people with money or like yeah. accessibility. Yeah, it's, it's it comes from like the like the people from the town who move from to Caracas to find a job, and they will bring their tradition, and they will do it like very small because when you were colonized, when the black the Africans were colonized, they couldn't celebrate in a big way. Of course, mm. they have the moment of celebration very small, and it was secret. Yeah. And it was secret. And that's why San Juan comes also because uh, they they could celebrate once a year. Mm -hmm. In the show, you're bringing a celebration of San Juan, right? We have we have a San Juan that it was made in Venezuela and we want to bring that representation because Victoria has that memory um, about her going to San Juan with her family to the mm -hmm. San Juanes in Caracas. For me personally, what it brought me back to the uh, I always, um, I was dancing, I was doing many things, but I particularly, drumming was that beating of the heart. My dad has passed away 2001, and I was at a wedding, and that's when my teacher said, the heart is the biggest drum that we have. Mm. I went to the wedding because it was my best friend. I didn't want to be anywhere because my dad had just passed away a couple months ago. And I remember I felt like a, I felt like a dead person. I didn't have any energy. I was really sad. You know, I also wanted to die. Um, and I remember she brought Tambor, a life group. They live on Barlovento. They moved from Caracas to Barlovento. And she brought this group. And I remember standing there and seeing people dancing and going crazy. But it was the drum who I started feeling in my heart to do. And the sounds, like I would close my eyes. And I remember that made me feel that I was alive. I was like, shit, I'm not dead. Like, I'm alive. And it was the drums. And that's when I decided I wanted to study and learn how to place mm -hmm. the tambores because of that connection. I will never forget that moment. Everybody, me, I'm a person that I'm always jumping and dancing and I'm sociable. But that moment I was like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to mm -hmm. dance. I don't want to like, 
but just hearing the drum, it was such a connection and it was like, I said, thank you, God. I think that was a moment Mm. of light in my life back again. And that's why I went into drumming and then life, we separated for 11 years until Mm -hmm. I went back in 2013 after 11 years. That's beautiful. And I love that there's this poetic memory with with the idea of your heartbeat and that being the drum but but it has a concrete biological like that heart is pumping your blood is literally keeping you alive yeah it's it's beautiful that's such a gorgeous it is and you're saying it like in a poetic way yeah. too it's, it's amazing yeah. it's, it's beautiful it's very <sighs> Uh, talking about uh, teachings and tradition, we know that when you were in, in Venezuela, you had the opportunity to learn from other musicians. And I, I want to know, and I think you kind of give us like little answers well for this question already, but like why it's it's so important to you to to share the knowledge of, of music and, and especially Afro-Venezuelan music. You know what? One thing that, that when that tambor urbano came out, and we saw on the big screen, we, we thought that it was like the real traditional music. And we start, all started dancing to the way we thought we could dance it, the way they play it. But nowadays, they, we have understood that there is different way of showing music. There is traditional, there is projection, uh, because one thing is when you put on a stage. Mm. So what I learned when I went back, and that was something that I did personally, I think I love investigating. When I started to understand that a lot of people had come from the town to move to Caracas to find a job that they could survive because they, the farming wasn't giving them enough money to survive, they would, they would bring the music and a lot of people would stay in the town. So people would go back and forth. Some people never went back to their towns. They connected somehow in another ways. I found out that a lot of my teachers in Caracas have family that migrated to Caracas and they will bring their music. So my teachers will learn from their family or, and also some of them will go back to their town with their family. So they will tell us a story about, oh, this guy who played the kumako this way. He will place the hand this way and the sound, ta, 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 ta. And this other guy or this woman will sing this way. But what happened is that through the time they realized that because of preservation, because it's your music, because you inherited that, mm-hmm. your ancestor, they will keep the music, they will keep the knowledge. And because they were jealous, like, a, or like you know, the young people would come and try to do something with it, that it wasn't like why they learned to play. And they will teach it to certain people. They were very jealous about it. But the teachers realized that we were losing the information. And that didn't happen just in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. That happened also in Colombia. That happened also in Mexico. Like all the places that we were colonized mm-hmm. also because, yeah, you couldn't play your music whenever you wanted to. And so that also protection of the knowledge that you have it was hurting and it was, we were losing a lot of information and a lot of information that could be transferred, you know? Mm-hmm. There is evolution in music and there is evolution in life, but somebody taught me something in his life itself, that you, you have the base 
well planted, you can build anything from there up, but you need to have the base. And a lot of that base was getting lost. Right. Because they will die and they will keep the information because they're like, this is precious, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of teachers were like, well, we want to teach you what I learned. And if you want to do, you want to change something, just be conscious about it. Mm-hmm. But this is what I learned from this person and this person learned, learned from that person. Right. So I would go to the towns. I, I went to as many towns as I could. And even when I went, the first two years, they didn't like you when you were recording them mm. because of that preservation. It took me a while. Some people would block you. Uh, or if they're singing, they're like, if you are with your camera, they're like, no, no, no. We're in our moment. You mm-hmm. know, this is, this is for us. But then when they started seeing you, that you're respecting the tradition, that you are somebody ha- that you want to learn, you you want to like show them what they know in a good way, they start to open up. And I remember years later, one day I was just dancing and one person from this town, from Koreape, he's like, so what is your camera? And I'm like, yeah, how come you're not recording? <laughs> and it took me by surprise. Like, I'm like, he knows who I am. Like, he sends me years with my camera, you know? And that's why I couldn't leave. Well, because of also the situation that was happening in Venezuela back then. That's why I couldn't leave because I didn't want to leave because it's so much information that you need to learn. Yeah. yeah. Because like Colombia, Mexico is so extensive, the traditional music that it takes years. A lifetime. Yeah, it's a lifetime learning. So that's why for me, tradition has been very important because I I was able even to meet a couple of, of elders because a lot of them have passed away that I still were like, they learned from like somebody. I'm, we're talking about maybe almost 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. A person who also lived a long line life and were able to pass on the tradition so that's why my teachers were like we have to teach we're gonna lose this we have to pass it on and that's why me coming back to canada i was like in our music we don't know it everywhere uh, afro colombia is now very well known afro brazilian music but afro venezuela no a lot of people don't know the afro venezuelan music it's very mm-hmm. complex actually mm-hmm. to play it and learn it you can do it. Like anybody can learn it if you want to, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why tradition is very important. And coming to Canada, how was the start of your artistic journey in this country? What did you bring from all those experiences learning in Venezuela and how did you apply that? Or is there any advice you can give of what you learned in that process to newcomer artists, newcomer immigrants who want to find those communities and want to find ways to stay connected to their cultures while being here? You know what? I got to praise to technology mm-hmm. because back when I came, I came in 2002, like I said, technology wasn't that accessible. It was meeting people. I think what I, it was connecting. I'm a person that I'm always chatting. I went to Soy for a couple of years for looking the groups that I could connect with who I was, what I had learned from Venezuela and who I was as a, as a human being. Uh, with my sexuality, trying to be part of a community. I remember that I found Soy. Mm-hmm. And through Soy, which was an amazing place, I met it people that there. were artists. It is. Huh? 
It is. Yeah, it's still there. It is still. Yeah, yeah they, they have changed the dynamics. Of course, of I course. mean, sorry, maybe I'm talking about the dynamics we had. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the immigrants were artists. And I remember wow. going to Church Street, people who were doing drag shows will start a soy and then we'll go to church and when we was played because we didn't have many Latinos, Convento Rico. <laughs> remember? Yes. And I remember my first participation was with one of my my friends from Soy. He's like, oh I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Mr. I'm gonna go into the contest to be Mr. Uh, Convento Rico. Because <laughs> so he was gonna dance and he's like Oh, Misa, but you were a dancer. And I'm like, let's put a um, choreography together. So he invited other friends. And we did our first show at Convento Rico, his backup dancers. <laughs> and he actually ended up winning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Diego from Costa Rica. Beautiful <laughs> guy, handsome, but really nice. Very sweet. So that was my first show. And I was like, well, I've never done something like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it was really beautiful. And after that, also it connected me with Victoria Mata. Mm -hmm. Because then somebody said, hey, Miss said, they will tell us about the event. Ah, we have this Venezuelan girl who is going to do <laughs> Mascara, the Diablos de Yare. And I'm like this, I'm like, mm -hmm. Venezuela, Diablos de Yare, I want to know who she is. Uh -huh. But she really know how to make Venezuela <laughs> Yare because I'm protective, you know, of see? Of course. You learned like, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who is this chick? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I met Victoria Mata. And then uh, a couple months later, she's like, oh, you know, I have this group from university, blah, blah. If you want to come and dance. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't danced in so long. And she's like, no worry. This is something that we're creating. It, it's not like, it's very feminist. And we started like with these ideas of a collective and that's when I joined Matadan. And from there I was with Matadans until I went to Venezuela. Right, right. And when I came back, Matadans was no longer uh, active. I ended up doing Caminos with Paula Carreño. Right. And I did a little show when we met with Baba that they invited mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So that's that's soy, soy, soy. So it was my having that place. Yeah. yeah, and I would tell the kids or oh, the young generation that now that we have the media, you know, look it up, don't feel afraid. Mm -hmm. And if you feel shy, try on. And if you have somebody who can, you need a hand or you need somebody that go to go with you, ask someone. You never know. You never know. And you, and these places that are for, that say they are community, a lot of them, they really are community. And, and, and they're wonderful yeah. places to connect with people. So look yeah. it up. Uh, even through us right now, if you yeah. have any question, you want to connect, we are here. And and that's the way, being open, being open. Like, yes, we are here and that we, we, we can connect. And there is always a way. Yeah. So it was also a big part for me. See? Yeah. And I started at Buddies and then Buddies uh, connected me to Soy and I was in Soy for four years. Also, that was probably after I left because they kicked me out because of my age. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the Fruit Loop stage at Pride because I remember a lot of people their first like yeah a lot of immigrants their first like performing space was the Fruit Loop stage. Fruit Loop. So yeah, uh, we, yeah. Did, we did Mata Dance. We did the ten years. Um, we did a show for Soy at a club in downtown, and I was Mata Dance, and I was they invited me because they're like, 
Nisa, you have to do the 10 year celebration. And, <laughs> and I remember Fruit Loops and Victoria and I, yes. we danced, we did a solo, well, a duet for Fruit Loops for Bodies and Bad Time in 2008. That's because that's a stage, and, and, and if anybody who's listening is like a new immigrant who's an artist, there's a lot of stages here who you don't need to fit a certain thing or a certain way. It's really, they're quite open to it, like, yeah, art is art and whatever is your expression, do it. And, and that was really important when you're just starting. No, and even you're finding yourself because as an immigrant, you're coming into a different culture. I didn't speak any English. So when you don't speak, you don't understand the culture. And you're meeting and meeting so many people and you're like, can I show my art? Would it, would it be received? Is it okay? Like, you know, so many things that go through your mind. Mm -hmm. Would people understand me? I don't know. Some people, they go and they do it, but others, they feel like even because they're finding themselves, yeah, they're like, oh, it's very vulnerable to go on a stage too, to show, to show yeah. part of who you are or what you have created. Yeah, so important to find a, a, a place that you can, especially as an immigrant coming here, that you can, an intersectional space where yeah. you can be all the parts of yourself and feel safer maybe then you did where you're coming yeah. from, you know, and be able to explore that, to explore your fullness yeah. in that space is huge. And yeah, like you said, technology, like if you just look up like queer immigrant, queer POC, like you'll find like five different, but now it's just more accessible. Like you're saying. Back then, like you said, it was a flyer. Yes. You, I don't remember how I, I ended up at Soy. I don't know if it was from the 519 or from Ola or somebody that mentioned it. Ola. Yeah. Ola, remember? Ola. Yes, Ola. <laughs> but I remember that in that building, the soy was uh, where the TD is on church, right on church on Wall Street. That was the mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. office. And I would go there years later. I would go for ESL classes from work. And I remember getting in that building. I'm like, what am I getting to? And it felt like an office. I'm like, is this an office? Mm -hmm. I, what, what am I going to, you know? But it was flyer. And remember that we put like flyers on the on the balls, yeah. soy or fruit mm -hmm. loops when there was like the stuff for fry. Mm -hmm. But it was all old school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, not technology, yeah. just <laughs> the flyers. But it was meant to be. You were meant to find that flower, a flower flyer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You were meant to. And through people then, you know, word of, of mouth that it's been the most from million years ago. Yeah. And what's beautiful, you know, as a Victoria Mata, and I think the three of us can say this, is is familia. It is. Now, yes. you know, and that's how started so many years ago, but from some chance encounter or someone like, ay, mira, conozco una venezolana, deberías conocer, you know, like that word of mouth is, is huge and it's still so valuable. It is, it is. From soy to oh. opening night. <laughs> so we want to ask you, because Rutas was born out of the desire to bring art from across the Americas to Toronto, to encounter new perspectives, voices, and ideas, and to engage in conversations about arts and human rights. We want to know, what conversations or engagement do you hope Cacao will bring to our audiences? I think Cacao will bring a lot of conversations because even us, as an artist, we're always talking about something. And when you are like me, that I was recently in Venezuela and here in Toronto, that you are promoting, as soon as you give the card or you talk about it, people are like, what is that about? 
because you say a show. Ah, a show. What kind of show? And then that, just, just a moment. You say, oh, it's about cocoa or cacao. And they're like, you know what? You made the chocolate. But then right away, it's like it has a story. You're going to see dance. You're going to see performance, visual singing. But it talks about cocoa farmers from Venezuela. So right away, that's that's what I me, I usually say that. It, it has a story. It's a personal story and it's also fiction, but it, you're gonna get to know a lot of information in history about the cocoa farmers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why for Victoria, um, and I said this, I heard that it's been shows made in Venezuela about cacao, about cocoa. I, I wasn't able to see them because I was here. However, what Victoria is doing, I haven't seen nothing like, like that. Because going to the haciendas, going to the conucos, interviewing people, understanding their life. What is it? How do you make, how do you get this chocolate? Where does it come from? And like, it has a lot of, a lot of I think a lot of people, what, what I hope that is, they grab something that they might go on the cell phone or on the computer or ask somebody, you know? I think a cow is going to do that. And a lot of immigrants, I think, are going to connect with this story, regardless that you don't have to be Venezuelans, because also talks about that, about things that are happening, not just in Latin America in general, about immigration and how certain things that happen that can affect a country, you know, mm-hmm. economically, politically. So I think cacao is going to touch many people in many ways. And I think what's what's beautiful about rutas and what's beautiful about cacao really is is you know Venezuela is such a major exporter of like part of part of that conversation is in the piece that I know of and and I love that there is this um, even if someone like you're saying isn't from Venezuela or isn't Latine or or whatever they are they're bringing that story of that cacao farmer to a global impact like you should care about this person's history and ancestry and and traditions because you maybe ate a piece of chocolate Mm. when you were eight that maybe came from that person's farm and you didn't know it you know what i mean and that's beautiful this like small country in latin america having this global impact and and those those connections are so important to think about and 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 consider really beautiful it's amazing when you say, oh, the best chocolate. <laughs> I don't want to say a specific brand, but Snickers. And you're mm-hmm. like, mm. now that you know, you're like, mm-hmm. yes, it's delicious, but it's not the best. <laughs> yes, exactly. And probably they might have used cacao, cocoa from Mexico, Mexico, yeah. Venezuela, <laughs> Colombia, you know what I mean? And yeah. you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. But the, speaking of, you know, leaving leaving something with these audiences, you know, every episode of Merendiando, um, uh, we, Monica, like to ask our current guest to pose a question to the next guest so that the conversation keeps going across practices and across borders. And so the question that we have for you comes from Nina Vogel from Peter and the Wolf. Sure. And Nina's question is, anima in Latin means the breath of life, or it could also be translated as the soul. So very close to alma, it probably has the same roots there. And Nina's question is, how do you, Miset, share your anima with your audience? I think 
when you do something, do it truly and honestly. When it comes from the heart. I let my light come out. I let my light shine. I try to be as honest as I can. I try to be myself and connect. Like I open, I, I get I get really naked when mm. when I'm I'm doing something that I love. It's like a you know, here I am, I'm all yours. <laughs> and I truly I, I open my soul, my alma, my spirit. I think it's it's a moment that you cannot have your guards up. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. cannot close yourself. And you gotta be you. I'm me. I'm mm-hmm. myself, you know. Um, even though if like I'm gonna be to smell that and what can the best of me said, even not the best, even me said, because I have my light, I have my dark, mm-hmm. you know, I have my good and I have my not so good uh, of me. How can can that connect and, and go through to smell that and that pain mm-hmm. people can receive? And even when I dance, even when I play, like a, I try to be myself. That's something that I learned in life. You gotta be you and you know, do it with love. I do it with love and I let that comes out. Shine through me. Yeah. Through my heart, through my whole being. And we see it. We feel it. I've been around you. I've seen you perform. I know thank that you. you do that, Misa. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, and what would you like to ask to our next guest who will be another artist in the Rutas Festival? I think I have to question, yeah, how important tradition is for them. Are they really connected to the tradition, traditional music, traditional dance uh, of where they come from? It doesn't have to be like the country they were born or what they can be the place where they live. Like, like how they preserve tradition, how they look at it, how they take care of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And also what's the way of them connecting with the audience or whoever, how they connect when they're doing, like presenting their art out to the world, you know? I guess something similar to Anima, how do they connect? Uh, what 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 is important for them? What do they want to leave to anyone who go and mm. sees them, you know? I have like 80 questions. <laughs> and you're like, and one more. And, and we're just like, well, our next uh, co-host will be Misset. <laughs> yes. It's, it's amazing. And I, we, we encourage every every guest because we're finally live. We're going to go see every show live. So if you see another artist in the festival, have that conversation with yes. them. Thank you so much for being with us. As Augusto said, you're such a light, Misset. Like I met you not through art, just through life. I think you you work your anima outside. Like you can see when you meet genuine, beautiful, amazing, talented people in this world. Mm-hmm. And we truly believe you're like one of the most talented, beautiful people we have met in this country. So gracias. no coming. No, I receive it with my my heart. Gracias. I'm so grateful for this invitation. I respect you both. <laughs> no, for me, I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. I said that I have a long way to go. And being here with you both, it is such a gift. So, muchas gracias, de verdad. Un regalo de la vida. And I hope to see you at the show. We will. Yes, come to Cacao. (laughs) Check out the Rutas Festival from September 22nd to October 9th. For more information, visit alunatheater.ca. Hope to see you there. We're speaking from Tacoronto. 
This is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, the Wendat, and Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Digital One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. At Aluna, we remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Luna Teatro is supported by Aluna Theater with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theater is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness. Radio Luna Teatro is produced by Monica Garrido and Lucia Linares. For more about Aluna Theater, visit us at alunatheater.ca. Follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram or like us on Facebook.